podcasting from inside the stash. I'm Jenny. I'm Nicole. And this is Stash and Burn. Okay. Hello, Jenny. Hello, Nicole. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I am on the other side of the world from you. I know. That is like completely insane. <laughs> totally bananas. It's it's really so I went to you I've only been to Europe one other time and it was in nineteen ninety seven. So it was back like before the internet more or less. I mean we had email. But I think I remember like going to internet cafes to email people and having to like to call people to like buy phone cards and go into a phone booth to call my parents. Did you go to like American Expresses? Oh, good question. No, I think I could use an ATM to withdraw money, but it was kind of confusing. And I remember you had to have a four digit pin, they told me, before, because European ATMs at that time only took four digit pins. Oh, my God. And it is fairly seamless today to travel, you know, to to Europe as far as we have experienced. I didn't even get a different phone, cell phone. Like, I still use my – we switched to Google Fi on the recommendation of a friend, and uh, it's worked great here. The apartment we're staying in has a great Wi-Fi connection. Uh, Adrian's been able to chat with a bunch of his friends. We talked to my mom like once a week. We've talked to John's parents a couple times, John's sister. Like it's just, it's very connected. And as far as like now using your credit card is totally seamless and using ATM is totally seamless. So those things, uh, you know, it's, it's a great privilege. (laughs) And the, the internet has made a lot of this possible. Yay, internet. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. When, since we last talked at the beginning of the year, what projects have you finished? Uh, I finished my um, three-colored cashmere cow. I saw that. It's so pretty. Um, I also made a second pair of leg warmers. Ooh. Um, I don't know if I talked about the Woolier's leg warmers. I know I did, but I don't know if I finished them. At that I don't point. think you did. I don't think you had. So, so I finished them. And what pat- And then I wore them like every day for weeks. And they were a little bit short because the Woolier's um, balls don't have very good yardage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I knit them again using some Elsa wool and made them longer. And what pattern did you use? I used, what did I use? It was a free pattern by. Was it the Danny Sunshine one? No, I looked at those, but those were actually only for kids. Oh, um, that's nice, yeah. huh? Because I made hers, and I definitely don't have kid size calves. So mm. I wonder, I wonder what pattern I used. I thought it was that one. 
Um, um, let's see. I, I can't remember what I used, but, um, but it was, I think it was, a. Oh my God, I'm going to have to cut this out. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, now that I am basically doing all of my um, patterns on Dropbox, mm-hmm. and so I'm not printing them, and so now I'm like, God, what did I use? It was like... You need to put your stuff in Ravelry. I'm trying to like as soon as I as soon as I cast something on, put it in Ravelry. I say that as I'm looking at the socks I'm knitting, and I'm pretty sure that they're not. Oh no, no, they are. They are. I I start a project page as soon as I cast on because what I have found is when I want to knit something again, or I want to just like look back, like even if I'm not knitting the same pattern, like say I'm knitting the same yarn. Um, uh-huh. I, I want to look and see, oh, what size needle did I use? And so often I'm like the dumb bunny and I don't put it in there. It's like, so I have no idea. Oh, did I knit that on nines? Did I knit it on sevens? And so, um, I'm trying to be better to myself by it. When I knit mustache yarn, you know, her sock yarn, I always use X needle and, um, not rely on my memory I think often I think oh I'll just remember that and I don't yeah that is always the worst thing that you, the lie that you tell yourself it really I is remember that and I um I, and I found it oh good I see it. I stalled long they enough were, for you to find it <laughs> I know they were the Olali leg warmers okay. by Rachel Kielsberg and it was a Tolt pattern oh it was a free pattern by Tolt and you used it for both for both yeah. sets. Awesome. And the- yeah, it uses this like drop stitch or a slip stitch pattern that looks a lot like broken rib. Mm-hmm. But I think that the um, the slip stitch um, compresses the waffle pattern and makes it a little bit warmer. Mm, I love a waffle pattern. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. I finished my Felix sweater. Uh, Yay! As I predicted, I finished it when I was at my brother's, uh, and <laughs> it was pretty exciting. I, I think I wore it the very next day, um, and I've worn it a lot, which speaks to me about needing to maybe knit pullovers once in a while. You know I love a pullover. It just, it's really been... Um, the weather in Madrid has been a very changeable. Like uh, the first week we're here within the first few days we were here, it snowed. Um, so, but then, and then it stayed cold that whole week, like in the like low forties. And then it spiked up the other day to mid sixties. And then we're back into the like highs in the fifties today. So the sweater has been a really, actually not even as a layering piece. Like some days I've gone out with just the, well, a layering piece in the sense that I've had a t-shirt underneath it, but instead of wearing a jacket, I've worn the pullover sweater, which I'd never really thought about. I usually want to have a cardigan for that purpose, but my cardigan, because this is how I roll in the Bay area, the cardigan that I brought doesn't have any buttons. So uh, that's not very useful. <laughs> if you want to like right. bundle yourself up, you just have an open cardigan. So Right. That's a thought. I might want to put but there are button holes on that cardigan, so I could put buttons on it. I just never have. So I finished that when I was still in New York. Uh, it was we had some very cold weather in New York too, actually. Um, 
So we were grateful for all of our knitwear. And then when I first got here to Madrid, I was working on some self-striping socks. And in a case where it was really useful to have taken notes, I had done one heel and I wrote down what I did so that when I went back to it a second time for the second heel, I was able to replicate what I did. Uh, oh my god how much of your yarn have you already knit now (laughs) okay so i packed two ufos the felix sweater and this pair of self-striping socks i finished those and then i brought yarn for five more projects and i haven't finished any of those five but i've i've cast on for two more so i've I have, uh, I'm knitting a pair of self-striping socks, again, mustache yarn in the Jin Urso colorway. And it's just, uh, they're toe up and they are for Adrian. Uh, hopefully he won't hear this before, <laughs> he might, before his birthday, but he might. Um, so I am knitting from the toe up and what I'm going to do is knit from the toe to where I would insert the heel on both pairs and then I'll do the heels successively and then the legs successively. Uh, I like this method. It, it's not two at a time. It's kind of like asynchronous two at a time. So I have them on separate sets of needles and I get to the same point and then do the same thing and then get, you know, and it helps to have them match better. And also I don't get the second sock syndrome as much because I'm working on them together. So I've cast those on, and I would say I'm mostly done with the footbed. I'm probably within the next couple of days will be ready to knit both of the heels, and then I cast on my teakwood light sweater, which is gonna it's gonna take a while. Um, I'm about seven inches into the body. The body is fifteen inches, so when you knit the front and the back at the same time, yes. So it's like two hundred and something stitches. Um, but you're seven inches in already. I am. Like, that's pretty good. I am. I yeah. I guess so. I try when I do. I don't knit. I haven't knit on it every day. And I try though, like on an evening, to really like dive in. So either I've been watching something, um, or listening to an audio book, and I try to get a whole repeat done. But, um. That doesn't always pan out. And actually, when I do a whole repeat, it's sort of like ha- from halfway from the last repeat into halfway into the next repeat. I try to get to past the cable. There's one cable row every eight rows. So I'm kind of treating the cable row as row one. So I try to get to row two and then start over again, if that makes sense. Yeah. But if you think about it, even if you make your sweater long, like the body, if you make the body 14 inches, you're already halfway through the body through to the armpits right it's true um i measured recently and i might measure again my um my farmhouse sweater no not farmhouse yes farmhouse that's the one that i brought right the red one um right and it's actually a little bit longer than 15 inches long which surprised Mm -hmm. me from the underarm to the hem so i don't i mean it recommends all sizes of teakwood light to be 15 inches which is always curious to me because yeah you know i'm short like so do you, are your sweaters like do you think your farmhouse is longer than 15 inches yeah okay yeah all right i think i made mine like at least 16 or 17 because i have a for some reason 
I have a longer torso. Well, and you're short arms and a longer torso. You're taller than me, so too, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, I don't know. I will see where I, I'll I'll get to 14 inches and see if I'm ready to break off. Um, I think I have a couple more inches in this ball of yarn. I am not switching balls of yarn. I'm really putting my faith in Tyler Yarns to have it be more or less the same. We spent a lot of time in that booth trying to get the right stain, so I'm just going for it. Um, you know, I always support convenience. I, just, I couldn't. It was enough. And, you know, Teakwood Light, it's a really cute sweater, um, but I'm there's no schematic, which um, I find problematic um, in a pattern because I want to know I mean, she talks about, you know, what the ease is, but she doesn't give the measurements for the back versus the front. And it, it, it um, presents as an open front cardigan, but I have no idea what her intention for the width of the fronts is. So I had to make up my mind what I was going to do there. So I, I did, I believe what I did is added a few stitches. So there's a stockinette panel under the arms. And um, I kind of fudged it between sides. So I added stitches under the arms to, I think, the second smallest size. So I think it's between the second and third size that I'm, I'm knitting. Um, and the pattern is, it's very meditative. It's um, pretty easy to get through. Um, uh, so I, uh-oh. I don't know if. Then Mike can pick up Adrian and show in the other room having a conversation about Adrian's writing protocols. Adrian's writing what? Adrian's doing you know, some writing every day. And uh, uh, this is a divergence, but like uh, it's really interesting um, working uh, as a teacher to your own child. <laughs> Yeah, the minds of our children are such mysteries. (laughs) Truly. Matilda wrote an essay on what she would do with like $100. Uh You know, like a paragraph. And it was all about how she wanted to get buy a Ziploc bag to put things in. (laughs) (laughs) Does she know how many Ziploc bags she could buy with $100? I know. Harold was like, I'll give you back $50 and change. (laughs) How about, sure, give me $100, and here's, yeah, here's your Ziploc bag. <laughs> I know. It was pretty funny. Well, it, yeah, Adrian likes to go on some uh, some flights of fancy and a lot of uh, sub, uh, a lot of, like, sub-subjects, right? Like, he's talking about something and then, like, mentions something else, and I'm like, dude, no, you got to stay on subject. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, it's kind of casual, and I'm like... You need to learn how to write so people can get through right. what you're writing. <laughs> um, well, I couldn't hear the conversation. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so. All right. So teak with light. And um, so I'm cast on this. Oh, and then. So in the middle of this, um, you know, we brought plenty of knitwear. Um, everybody had a hat, but Adrian doesn't have a scarf. 
And I brought two scarves. I brought my big black scarf of doom and I brought my papel picado, which was a, um, it's an adaptation of an Amber O'Brien pattern that I knit in, um, I knit with one of those like sets of cashmere minis. Um, right. And uh, I turned it from what would be a flat shawl to a, a cowl. And so we had those two and he and I switched off wearing those for a while and um i think at the end of our first week we went to maybe was, i don't even know when it was it was <laughs> at some point in the recent past we went to one a yarn store here and it is mm-hmm. right across the street from the royal tapestry factory where we were going to go on a tour and it was a really neat yarn store it's called Trizas y Trazos, and um, upstairs it's a yarn store and when i walked in there was a table. This is about noon on a Tuesday, and the table was filled with women drinking tea and coffee, and knitting together. And um, then there were some stairs, and downstairs to a room with a bunch of sewing machines, on uh, tables and irons and cutting area, and a little fabric store. So um, it looks like you know it's a lot of workshop space, and then they sell supplies and. They had um, a lot of Malabrigo and um, Hedgehog and a few other more uh, typically British um, brands that we sometimes see in the States, but not as often. Um, But I knew that I had a set of free tens that I had been using um, for my Felix sweater that I really liked, actually. The Knitter's Pride that are wooden, but they have metal tips. Uh And they... um, and they um, <laughs> they're wooden and they have metal tips and then they have this ability they're like on a swivel so they can swivel and you don't get it all like tangled up the cord doesn't get all tangled up they're right, excellent right. I love them Chase at Black Squirrel recommended them and I, I used them for Felix and then I was I bought some Malabrigo Mecha in London Sky and I just figured, okay, that's a chunky weight. It'll work on those needles. Came back to the apartment, looked at a bunch of patterns, gave Adrian two choices and he picked a um, Susan Ashcroft uh, pattern called Boxing Clever. And it is a nice knit pearl pattern that makes these boxes. I really like to texture, nice textured stitch. Um, and I cast on, there are like three sizes, um, and I cast on for the middle size, and I probably could have cast on for the smallest size, um, but the smallest size, I think, was for like a chunkier yarn than I had. So mm-hmm. uh, when he tried it on, we decided that I would reduce a little bit to kind of bring it in at the neck. If I were to do it all over again, I would probably cast on for that smallest size and then reduce it a little bit for the oh, okay. neck. Or I would do what I did already and reduce it a little bit faster, or a little bit sooner. But it's worked, it works great. And because it's not like freezing cold here, it's just moderately cold, um, it's working great. And that color is beautiful. I haven't worked with Malabrigo in a long time. And uh, that yarn is really lovely. Yeah, for sure. 
I think that the yarn that I use to make my farmhouse, that swoon, like, mm-hmm. single merino, is a lot like Malabrigo. The original Malabrigo worsted. Yeah. Yeah. This um, mecha I had never worked with. I know that there was mecha and mechita, and it is also a single ply or lightly plied, and it's so, so soft. It's, yeah, amazing. Um. So in between, I kind of took a break from my socks and from Teakwood Light last week and whipped up a cowl in a couple of nights. It went. <laughs> so that was unexpected yarn, <laughs> which, which people predicted that, you know, I would find places to buy yarn. Uh, and one night I went for a walk and found another yarn store, which is very, also very close to where we were staying. Um, but I didn't go in. Um the yarn, and this place also was very small and had a table full of people who were working. So I was, I think I felt like a little intimidated knocking on, you know, ringing the bell and going in uh, while sort of like I was interrupting what was going on there. Um, right. So, and I had just bought yarn like that day or the day before. So I figure if I need more yarn before I leave Madrid, I know where there are two yarn stores within walking distance and I can get myself to them. Um but I might wait to check out yarn stores and in, in the subsequent towns that we visit. That's cool. Yeah. I was uh, looking on Instagram and I saw that Amy Christopher's made herself a Felix out of the exact same mountain mohair, mohair colorway. That oh, wow. You guys like, are twins. Yeah, we're sweater twins. Yes. <laughs> Hooray. So since you finished the three color cowl, what have you kept? Ca- mm-hmm. What are you knitting on now? And you finished another pair, two pairs of leg warmers. What are you knitting now? I, so on boxing day, you know how I did the whole uh-huh. like, impulse thought <laughs> yes. Tannis to ma- make Matilda and I heart rainbows. Yes. So then I decided that it was time to make her a new sweater. Like, I was just tired of seeing her reach for her Target hoodie constantly. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, she needs a new sweater. So I cast on, I swatched my Tannis DK, and I was getting about five and a quarter stitches per inch. So I decided I was going to make a size that would give me like a 28 inch um, body size. And she, her torso is like 24. Mm-hmm three like she's she's like little Mm -hmm. so she'll be able to wear it for a while Mm -hmm. um and so I cast on I was knitting away and because I had already knit this pattern and because I didn't have it on paper I just kind of was you just winked going (laughs) you winked with what I thought it was supposed to go and I was like oh I'm gonna upgrade and you know put in some short rows to raise the neck and is it top? Uh, but, is it top down? I'm sorry. Is it top down? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's top down. And so, I I got like halfway through the yoke, in the middle of the colorwork hearts. I realized that I did the colorwork pattern wrong. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait a minute. I put the short rows like the the placket is to the side. Uh huh. And I had basically centered the short rows. Oh. And so, then I realized, you know, I'd have to move the placket. Or I would have to, like, just redo everything. Mm-hmm. And then, so, you know, I 
basically had just accumulated so many small mistakes that I just now decided to rip it all out and start over. <laughs> that happened to me, actually, almost ex- sort of exactly, except for that it wasn't a cardigan. I was doing a color work pullover, and I thought, again, I knew what I was doing, and um, skipped the neck sh- I skipped the neck shaping, and then I was doing the color work, and because I skipped the neck shaping, my stitch count was wrong, but I didn't really realize it, so all of the color work was like one stitch off, like all the way around, and I got like four more rows past it, and I was like, why does this look not look like the pattern? And I was like, oh, man. So uh, I then ended up ripping it out and starting over again. <laughs> so that sucks. sometimes that happens. Yeah. I mean, even I have a tipping point uh-huh. where <laughs> I just rip. <laughs> yeah, this this feels like a momentous acknowledgement. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like as I, you know, I have a lot of sweaters. I have a lot of knitwear at this point. Like, I feel like for me to rip something out, it's not like, I mean, there's still a lot of joy in finishing things, but I feel like I might as well just get it right and redo it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I have a little more patience for, for ripping. Well, and this is something that you're hoping she will be able to wear for, you know, a number of years. Right. Um, did you order any labels for her? I did! Yay! <laughs> it's, they say, handmade for Matilda. If found... Call my cell phone. And then it, well, call, call this phone number, which is my cell phone. Nice. Yeah. That's perfect. So speaking of ripping out, this is kind of a, a funny tangent or segue. But I, I've been wearing my big black scarf of doom a lot here. And there, um, for those of you who may not know about the scarf, this is more or less the first thing I ever finished. I think it is the first thing I ever finished. And um, to tell the story again, the way that I um, knit it, because it was the first thing I knit, was I figured out how to cast on and I knew I could um, decrease stitches. So I cast on like a zillion stitches, let's just say, <laughs> a lot of stitches, I believe onto straight needles, I think. I wish I could remember. And I knit for a few rows and then I decreased on each end. And I did that again and again and again and again and again until I had like 10 stitches left and then I bound off. Or maybe I just kept decreasing until I had no stitches. Um, So it's very long and shallow. And it's knit out of Art Fibers Kyoto, which is a a discontinued yarn company, a defunct yarn company, so defunct yarn. But the yarn is beautiful and has held up very well. It's. Do you remember what the composition of Kyoto is? It's mohair and... It's mohair, silk, and a little bit of wool. Okay. And it's just yeah. really a trooper of a yarn. And there are poles in the there. And I find what I did a couple of years ago is I just tied the ends together. And then when I put it on, I wrap it around my a zillion times around like a cowl. So I'm thinking, uh-huh. not now, not on this trip, but when I'm settled back at home this summer is I'm thinking about ripping this 
out completely because this is a case where I really feel like I would want to use the yarn again. Wow. So I'm thinking, and I don't feel like I can do it on the road because I would have to rip it out. I would want to wash the yarn, dry it out, you know, the whole thing. And it's just too much to take on. Right. Um, and then it's a bulky yarn. I actually think I could probably get two usable scarves out of this amount of yarn. Um, yeah. Or cowls. And so I'm, that's one thing that I will spend my time looking at is a different bulky cowls um, that I can knit out of it. But it just, the yarn is too nice. And right now it's just sort of falling into the, the, the garment itself is falling into a little bit of disrepair. And I think that fixing it isn't going to fix the long-term problem. It's totally wearable, but I think that there's a possibility that I would get more use out of two different garments than this one, or just as much, but with more variety. Right, right, right. Although, uh -oh. I will be sad. I know, but, it, you know, it's it'll be reincarnated. And actually... yeah. This sort of links into something that I've been observing a lot here in Madrid, which is that often things are, and I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm being too harsh on, on the U.S., but I feel like, for instance, there's a, a park right near where we're staying. It's called Retiro Park. And in that park, there used to be a zoo. I wrote about this on my Instagram, if, if people are following along on my travel Instagram. There used to be a zoo there, and then they moved the zoo in 1972 to a different park, uh, kind of across town, a bigger space. Um, but they left some of the remnants of the zoo there in the park. So there's like a bear cage and a lion cage and the polar bear enclosure um, there for you to see. And then they used this one building and made a library out of it. And there's something really interesting about like leaving remnants of the past intact or reusing them for a new purpose um, instead of just right. taking them down. And yes, I still wear this big black scarf of doom, but I also, when I put it on with its sad little tight ends tied together, I'm always like, Oh, how do I make sure that tied end is in my, on the back and it doesn't come And then the yarns that are pulled out. So I feel a little like, you know, it's getting a little worn. It, it deserves a new yeah. life. I think I have months to think about this. So we'll see. I hear you. But one thing I have noticed mm -hmm. with my cowls as you know, the weather's a little slightly more cold mm -hmm. is that they, you know, it's hard to get the right amount of neck coverage because of like, you know, not being able to pull it. Right. Tighter. What I think I would do um, is make a loop cowl, like a, a large, like, like a double loop. A double loop. Because right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally think that, like, if I want to wear it casually and not cover my neck, that's a triple loop. And if I want to cover my neck, I have to wrap it five <laughs> times around my neck. Like that, that is amazing. That is excessive. I think if I could knit something where I could just wrap it twice, or if I didn't need to wrap it twice, I could just have it, like, a, a big loop, you know. And then I can make a second cowl. I tried to replace this scarf twice uh one time i knit another scarf that i really liked in um in a different um art fibers yarn and i did it was sort of a drop stitch um 
uh, but it was a, a long scarf and I would have to wrap it around and I lost it. And then the second thing is I made a cowl um, out of Malabrigo, that yarn that we traded, you traded to me. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what that is called. It was called Gruesa at some point, but then they had a different name. Uh, uh. No, Twist. It was Malabrigo Twist in black. And I made this cowl that I loved, and then um, it got felted in the laundry. So, say la vie. <laughs> so this yarn wants to survive. That's what I. That's the yeah. that's the moral of the story. You know what I've been thinking about my whole cowl problem. I've been thinking about making a clincher. Oh, um, I do love. I love that pattern because you can pull it mm-hmm. tighter yeah. when you're colder, mm-hmm. and you can leave it looser when you're just wearing wearing it for fashion. Yeah, that's a, um, that is a great pattern. Yeah, I uh, I kind of wish the one that I made and gave to somebody. I kind of I kind of wish I had that exact one. <laughs> I mean, I can always make that one for myself, so I shouldn't be too right. too snippy about it. It's funny because right. the other thing I've been thinking about is so. In addition to, I brought yarn for the teakwood light. I brought yarn for three pairs of socks, and then I brought a gradient fingering weight yarn that. Um, I think I, I won't cast on unless I finish my sweater. Um, but I think I'll make the Rochambeau cowl. Yeah, I love that one. Um, have you made it? It's four fingering weight yarn, isn't it? Yes, but a smaller amount. I think I made it out of a bigger yarn. I mean, it's totally adaptable, yeah. those things. Yeah. I actually, I, I think I wear cowls so frequently as... A little bit of extra warmth, but more for fashion. So right. I don't mind that openness. And I think if it were really cold, then I would wear a different kind of neck gear. Or what I did um, for a cowl that I made and gave to Adrian's third grade teacher is I put a button in the back that I could she could um, fold over the back and close it up if she wanted to. Oh, cool. So that's always a possibility for a cowl. I think I might do that actually with the cowl I made for Adrian. Um, so. Yeah. So he's got some options. So he has some options. To keep it tighter if yeah. he wants. Um, yeah. Have you been sewing at all? Um, I had uh, Hugo's preschool teacher and our friend Sarah over for a sewing date. Oh, cool. A um, couple of like maybe last weekend or the weekend before. Mm-hmm. And so she made a, um, Giselle. So my preschool, the preschool teacher, Giselle made a shirt number one. Cool. And she made a couple of like scrappy projects for the school. Mm-hmm. Um, I had made all those bean bags mm-hmm. for, um, one, a, a hospital reunion thing. And, um, I gave her some, her school and she turned them into like a weighted blanket Ooh. so so she was working on that and then um she made a shirt number one and then sarah made she was having some problems with her sewing machine mm-hmm. um, the worst there, there were some tension issues yeah. and we couldn't figure out why the stitching was like so tight and so she took it in and it turned out it wasn't the machine it was the walking foot she was using huh which just blows my mind like how can there be something wrong with the walking foot like that's weird right no i mean i mean 
it just seemed like I don't know. We were convinced it was the machine, and then she took it down there, and then she switched to her regular presser foot, and it worked fine. Mm-hmm. And we're like, "Huh, okay." Okay. Yeah. So now she's like trying it out again. Did she make anything, or was it just too hard? Because she... what did she make? She made. I I gave her my uh, tried and true T-shirt pattern. Uh huh. So she made a stripy T-shirt. And then she was working on a Wixton shirt. Mm-hmm. But then, um, you know, with all the machine issues, yeah, she wasn't able to totally finish it. Did you? Um, were you able to make anything? I, I, so I have this box full of cut out stuff. Mm-hmm. And the box just... I never end up wanting to do that box. Yeah, of why why is that? I have that same problem. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it's like wanting to use your new yarn before your old mm-hmm. yarn. Like, um, I think it's like when you have time to sew, the last thing you want to do is the thing that you cut out a year ago about doing like two months ago, yeah. you know, you want to kind of do what you were thinking about in the last week. Um, and so that was my problem. But I was like, I'm going to get rid of some of this stuff. So I sewed up a couple of pairs of PJs and T-shirts for the kids. Mm-hmm. And um, that was it. <laughs> Maybe that's something. That's the sewing retreat we I don't know. Is that the sewing retreat we need where we just bring the stuff that's cut out and just decide like whether or not it's worth it? Maybe that's what we, yeah. we just like at some point just need to be like, hold it up and be like, do I really want that to do this? Yes or no. Well, the funny thing is, is that like, it's stuff that's like, like the stuff in my box is either something for someone else mm. where I ran out of time to finish it in the moment. And then the occasion, occasion that I was going to give it. Yeah. The occasion passed. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, Ugh, you know, oh, I God. no longer have a deadline. Um, or it's like stuff like, you know, you read all these things about how to use your scraps and they're all like cut out undies. And so I would cut out all these undies. But not sew them together. And I want the undies, but I just would rather sew something else more than undies. Dude, I got to confess something. Right before we left, like literally we left on a, on Monday, so this might have been not Sunday, but maybe Saturday before we left, I went shopping and I went to Target and I just bought underwear. I was like, that's it. I just, I can't. I mean, I had, I, I had looked at my underwear to pack and I was like, this is fine, but all of this is going to fall apart while we're traveling if I bring all this handmade underwear. So I went to Target and bought a new pack of <laughs> underwear and that's what I brought with me. It was very, you know, very freeing. I support you. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just need to buy that crap. And you know what? Like there are ill-fitting underwear in the world, but these are great. That I know. Like I didn't go into the. I don't know. I don't think I talked about this. One time I was in Target recently and saw sort of the Target brand of underwear. And I I sent you and Rebecca and Maggie a picture of this, which was a pair of underpants that they had made. And it was essentially, there were like no elastic or no invisible line or something. And basically what it was, was 
a pair of underwear with no elastic um, on the top or on the legs. So it's the easiest thing to make. Like maybe we should make our underwear like that, where you just sew the body of the underwear together and wear it because that's what Target was selling for like five bucks a pop. I bought the, you know, Hanes, which are also the Target branded underwear are not cotton, which uh, blows my mind. I can't think of that. Um, yeah, so I bought the Hanes and they fit great. They're very, very comfortable. And right now they were exactly what they, I needed. It was, yeah, it was interesting. It was a very interesting stress shopping day, but everything I bought was really useful. I bought a, a small backpack because I was thinking I would bring a bigger backpack and my purse. And then I was like, this is t- too much. And I bought this very basic gray travel backpack in the target travel section and it has been perfect. And then I also bought a, a toiletries bag. So things like had I thought about, I might have tried to make, but it was one of those occasions where I just gave myself permission to buy things and it worked out. They've worked out all three of them <laughs> really well. Yay! I also want to say that my capsule, my travel capsule wardrobe is working out fantastically. Um, in the end, I brought my Burnside bibs, the, uh, these linen, denim, linen Japanese pants that I got at uh, Goodwill many, many years ago that I uh, fixed a little bit before we left. The wool ethyl pants that I made. And, um, and then I ended up in the last minute, my aunt convinced me to bring the GDS cloth jumper that I bought a few years ago when we went to Renegade Craft Fair. Uh-huh. Um, the one that's like an apron jumper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so those are the, and then I bought another pair of pants, brought another pair of ethels that are more springy that I haven't brought out yet that I'll bring out when it really is. The stripey ones? The stripey ones. They're too light. Yes. They're too lightweight for right now. Um, right. And then I brought, I think, seven handmade shirts and then one other shirt. So as far as like my day-to-day wardrobe, this isn't including my pajamas or my running clothes. Um, and I just basically cycle through the shirts. Like when it go, once I've worn it, it goes to the back. And then once I've worn it, it goes to the back so that I, you know, kind of cycle through them. And, um, I think it's worked out really well. It has made me think a lot about pants though. Um, uh-huh. I, I like the silhouette of my Burnside bibs. I do not like the silhouette of the ethyl pants and wool. Like I'm wearing them because they're warm and they're comfy. Um, but they're way too oversized and it's, it's made me think a lot about my shape. And recently our friend Maggie did, um, the, my body model croquis and she went crazy doing all these amazing drawings of her outfits and, and ideas for outfits. And, um, yeah, I did a demo of it. I haven't paid for it yet because I don't have the ability to print anything and I'm, I don't trust my measurements that I'm sort of doing standing in our, you know, with my knitting right. tape measure. So I did like a, a rough croquis of myself um, and thinking about silhouettes and um, really like not understanding how to wear pants as a pear-shaped person. Like, and I know there's a lot of them. Um, it's weird to say, you know, hourglass, pear shape, apple shape. Those those are loaded terms. But I have a bigger bottom 
than I do on top. I, my measurements are roughly like 35, 30, 40 in the hips. Um, and it's, there aren't a lot, when I look at what the indie pattern world has produced for pants, there isn't a great silhouette for, I don't know, there isn't a, a silhouette that I feel really captures what I need. Right. And here's what I hit on last night. And I actually think I might post this as a uh, Instagram TV question to people. Um, so my waist is a, a 30 and my hips are a 40. And those fit within a normal range of a regular size. Like it's really not out of line with any sizing. But what is difficult for me is my thighs are quite large. So each of my thighs is a little bit over 23 inches in circumference. So if that's the case, that's 23 plus 23 is 46. But what my hips are allowed for is 40. So does that mean each of the lay pant legs is really only playing with whatever the allowance for 40 inches is? So say it's 40 with two inches of ease. So each of those thighs only gets 21 inches but my thighs are 23 inches. So I think possibly if I'm, if what I'm theorizing is true, my problem comes in that pants might fit me through the hips and the waist, but once they get to what is really the biggest part of my body, my thighs, I'm screwed because they need so much more room than my hips do. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, and then it's like, where do you add those inches? Do you add them in the crotch area or do you bump out do you do your thigh adjustment in the same way people would do <gasps> a bust you know Jenny, oh my god i didn't even think about that a full thigh adjustment like i can't be the only person who's who who's built like this but no. i don't feel like anybody ever taught you, you i've heard about like full tummy adjustments full bust adjustments but yeah i feel like yeah a full thigh adjustment is what I need. Right. You're right. I think there's got to, and I, I'm going to search for that because that I think is where it really, like, I don't want to add a lot of ease into my hips. If what the pant is requires is, you know, like a more of a straight silhouette. So what I did right. read about pear shaped is that you want something that's like a straight leg. But if I had a straight leg coming out of a 40 inch hip, it's going to be tight. And that's, that is absolutely like every pair of jeans, every issue I've ever had is that, that what fits me at the waist and the hip suddenly is like crazy tight around my thighs. Huh. So, so I wonder, like, do you like go with like a larger hip size and then do a small like, hip adjustment? Right. No, right. because my hip, I feel like you would go use your hip and waist because those things are, are the, those things match, right? Like my 30 inch right. waist and my 40 inch hips often match in a pattern. What doesn't match right. is my thigh circumference. So that would be the thing. And I think what they say is when you adjust, you start from the top down. So if you don't need to adjust the waist and you don't need to adjust the hips, then you go to the next thing, which is would be the thigh right hmm all right i'm gonna look into that and see if that's a thing <laughs> yeah
Yeah, that th- those croquis are really cool. I mean, it, the other thing is that Maggie's like a great drawer. Yeah, so she's like, really good. Like, I was like, how does she know to make the proportions of the patterns? Like, you know what I mean? Well, that like, part is a little tricky, right? Like, right. I was wondering if it might be easier to take the pattern illustration and trace kind of, I don't know, uh, it, sort of trace it on or like, you know, enlarge it, you know, make it because proportionally she could make it, she could adjust those patterns sort of in her drawing in a way that they aren't adjusted when they are actually cut and sewn, right? Right. But I think <laughs> so it is very complicated. <laughs> I thought about that because I thought, oh, well, maybe what, what, you would need to do and I did played with this a little bit on like my demo as I I then took like the uh, what pair of pants I think it was the Persephone pant and I sort of tried to overlay it on top of the croquis to see what it would look like and um what I it's funny because I commented to to Maggie a couple weeks ago I think that if I were to get it so it were going to fit and at the time I thought my hips, but what it was, it was like, if I could get it to fit my thighs, the bell, the bell of the Persephone pant would be so huge. It would look like I would be straight out of like an episode of Veronica Mars where she had those giant <laughs> pants, right? you know? So, uh, yeah. Well, anyway, so it's all fantasy sewing for me right now, which might be good. Like maybe I'll come back with a real clear head about what I need to do. Yeah, can be on a mission. Yeah. Um. So, um, the the one fiber related thing we did, and I, I talked, I touched on this briefly, is that we visited a tapestry factory, um, which was super duper cool. It is a working factory that has been in operation since like seventeen twenty one. Um not always at this location It moved to this location in the 1800s. But as we walked through, there were people making tapestries. Um, they are working on a project right now for tapestries for a uh, palace, a castle in Dresden. And um, so they had all these giant floor looms out and three people at once would be working on these tapestries. And they expect that the project will take 11 years once they've finished it. They're oh in year, God. I think they're in year nine of this project. And what's the picture depicting? Um, they're different. They're very decorative. She showed us a picture. So some of it is like floral, and but there's not, um, it's all flor- like floral. It's not any sort of scene. Okay. They also restore tapestries and rugs and they she talked about something they call false histories so when they restore a tapestry or rug they don't restore it to match Um, they want the restoration to be visible because they want to distinguish between what was there before and what was there later what was fixed which I thought was really interesting yeah for sure. And then they also make coats of arms. So they will work on making like a family coat of arms or, you know, <laughs> and uh, she said those take, they usually have two people working on them and they usually like work on them for four or five months with two people. 
um, it was really, really interesting. It made me want to look into rug looming or at least busting out at some point, really busting out my um, punch needle and figuring out how to use that. It seems so exciting when I got the punch needle, but I've never given it the time. So I'll be it. God, that makes me want to design my family coat of arms. Yeah, right. I told Adrian he should <laughs> design a family coat of arms for us. Yeah. So. That would be a cool project. It would be funny. Yeah, I think it would be a, that would be a fun school project. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, yeah, so what's next on your travels? So we are in Madrid for another week. And as we're recording this, this is early February. So we'll be in Madrid until um, the middle, basically the middle of February. And then we go to Granada. And we are booked there for a week. Um, and Granada is the home of the Alhambra, the sort of the epicenter of um, the Moorish Spain. That's what I'm looking for of Islamic Spain. So there, um, we're really excited to see that. And um, we, you know, I've continued. For those of you who follow me on Instagram, I I got very interested in cemeteries in the fall and spent a lot of time in the cemetery in Oakland called Mountain View. And we visited a cemetery here in Madrid, but they have these ancient um, burial grounds, these burial, Neolithic burial grounds um, in Southern Spain. And so John found a town that's about an hour from Granada. And I think we might spend a few days there. And um, then from there we would go to Sevilla and then it's a little less clear from there what what the plan is but um we will keep you updated we should rec- we'll definitely be able to record before we get too far into that itinerary cool well i love following along nicole what's your travel instagram my, for people who want to follow my you? travel instagram is my place in the arcane um and it's linked i think from the stash and burn bio if it's not now I will make sure that it is and I I kind of regularly point people to that I'm trying to really focus our stash and burn um Instagram more on making and um I will try to if I can steal photos from Jenny post some of her stuff there but you can always find Jenny at Jenny check as well on Instagram yes and I may record a little bumper here with Adrian to update you all about his knitting awesome and we are working hard to get um distribution of this podcast out we are on a number of pod catchers but we aren't on spotify and so that's something um we're working on getting on spotify we're on apple podcasts we're on anchor we're on a number of smaller um distribution platforms but uh, not yet on spotify i'm not sure if we ever were so i don't think we were uh, yeah, so we'll we'll get us on there, and um, yeah, and yeah, we'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> In the meantime, there are instructions on the Stash and Burn Instagram, and if you're listening to this, you already know this. You you already have this podcast, but if you want to tell a friend, there are in, there are instructions about how to um, get our RSS feed working with your podcatcher. So if you're having trouble getting us consistently um, you can try the tutorial that I put up there. All right, Jenny, I'm going to let you get back to your day where it is, what, 10, 11? 
10. It is 7.05 p.m. Or, as they like to say here, 19.05. Adrian and I are trying to get used to the 24-hour clock. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Well, sorry for the sniffles. I think I'm getting a cold. Yeah, we've been kind of had a cold this whole time. Oh, one more thing. <laughs> How, are you guys knitting tomorrow night? Are you having knit night? You know, I am not because, um, yeah, my February is busy, is horrible. So, um, and so I said, have it without me. And then they didn't. And so I think we're going to try to do a weekend. Okay. Thing. All right. We'll but, say, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I am in text contacts with everybody, but say hello to everybody for me. And I will. I will talk to you soon. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye. Adrian's knitting and Adrian's life. Hello. Hi, Adrian. We're here in beautiful Granada. Yes. Discussing about my knitting and what I do when I'm not knitting. Yes. So, um, what are you working on here? I'm working on a hat that you guys unfortunately cannot see. A bunch of random pearls because I went out of pearl during the making of this hat. Um, so this is a hat knit in Malabrigo Rios. I don't know what this colorway is called. and uh, I started it by knitting a couple of inches of ribbing. And then handed it off to Adrian uh, for him to just practice the knit stitch. He got super excited and good at the knit stitch. So asked to learn how to purl. And then incorporated some purl as a decorative feature throughout the and project. And in this, we bought this at Brooklyn General four years ago. We did. Yep. Um, I think this is sincere sheep. I'm not sure. No, it's, it's a oh, yeah. Malabrigo. I, because there was just a um, picture of... What's her name? Brooke. Uh, Brooke. Um, up in? Up in Brooklyn General. Was that really in 2016 yeah. that we bought this? Oh my gosh. Because I remember we were with cousins and you and Sullivan were teaching me and Ida how to knit. Okay. All right. So, um. And you are now at what point in the hat? Um, I'm decreasing now. You're decreasing for the crown. Now so. I'm on a regular row, but probably by the time this is done, I'll be on a. Um, decrease decrease row. Row. Yep. Um, and that's what I'm knitting. So now here's some of my life outside of knitting. Okay, what do you want to share um, with the listeners? I like to play guitar and write songs, which I'm working on my strategy. But who I'm, is your inspiration songwriting? Wise? David Robert Jones, aka um, you people who are not total nerds like me. No, it's David Bowie. A big fan of David Bowie, yeah. So you play the guitar. You are trying to learn how to write songs. Um, what else do you like to do? Um, this is... I don't like saying this because I don't like the fact that it's a thing that I like to do. Um, I like making websites a lot. Yeah, you're kind of addicted to making Wix-based <laughs> websites. <laughs> And blogger. And blogger. I have like 10 bloggers. No, I don't. <laughs> it's an exaggeration. So how do you feel like this trip has gone so far? I mean, it's nice, but we're somewhere, and then we have to like, time to pack up. 
and go to the, um, next, and place. Go to the next place. So mm-hmm. it's kind of stressful because we're like going everywhere. It is a unique experience, though. Mm-hmm. I I don't imagine we're gonna have many opportunities like this yeah. ever again. So, um, yeah. So we're in Granada. What was the big thing that we saw in the in Granada? The Alhambra. The Alhambra. You can see it outside of our window. It's true. It's pretty awesome. And every time we see it, I know I, every time I see it, I still am like, oh my gosh, there it is. It's the Alhambra. <laughs> and uh, this is our last day and we're still freaking out because it's there. It's true. It's and one of my personal faves about Granada is a... Definitely not free advertising. Um, <laughs> it is a cafe in a hotel called Coffee World. Um, and what do you like about Coffee I World? I like Coffee World. It's a buffet, so you don't have to wait for somebody and get their attention and be like, hey, person, can I get some food? Mm-hmm. Um, you can just go up and be like, oh, I can grab my food. It is nice. They bring you a coffee, and the last time we were there, the uh, barista brought Adrian behind the counter and taught him how to make a cappuccino. What was an espresso? I don't know. Well, a cappuccino has espresso in it. Oh. Yeah, you, you did the whole thing. You ground the beans, you made the espresso, you steamed the milk. Well, you... I didn't grind the beans. I j- Wait, was were there just beans in that machine where mm-hmm. I would put it in? So it would grind when I, when yeah. I came out. I just thought it was pre-squished beans that was that were coming out. Yeah. Into there. Uh, did you? Um, yeah. So, Coffee World is your favorite thing <laughs> about Granada. Well, next to the Alhambra. Okay. The Alhambra is still pretty cool. Also, um, if you're coming to Granada, we and especially if you have kids, we went to the Granada Science Park one of the first days we were here. It feels like so long ago. Yeah. Um, and it's a really cool science museum, kind of a big exposition center. If you get the Granada card, which gets you admission to the Alhambra, as well as a number of other attractions, it gets you into the science park. Um, so, so it's totally worth it. Um, there's something I was going to say. Also, up near about a mile from where we're staying, every night there's some flamenco jam session yeah. where a bunch of people come and play flamenco. So if you um, would like to see the sunset over the Alhambra and hear some flamenco music, you can go up to the um, Mirador of St. Nicholas. Uh, and um, Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and hear some music. Um, it's kind of a, an inexpensive way to experience flamenco music. You can, of course, also go to a show, which we have not yet in our time in Andalusia. But um, oh, you can see it anywhere in Spain. Um, but you yeah. can uh, see this. Yeah, amazing. You can see it, you know, and and uh, really they asked for just donations. Uh, it was super cool. We happened on it quite by accident one night and went back intentionally and saw them play again yeah. last night. So I think that's it for now. Yeah. Um, we'll be back on the next episode. Okay. You can update folks. Hopefully by then Adrian's hat will be finished. Also, if you are over where those people are playing and you like going into libraries, there's a library right up there. Yeah, we've been um, going into every public library that we've seen, which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> so um, it, was just, it was a nice little public library where we saw a Spanish-language uh, version of the Lotta John's Daughter book about sewing for babies. That was pretty funny. 
And the person on the cover looks like Nicole when she was a baby. And the yeah, the baby looked a lot like <laughs> maybe me that, when I was a baby. Maybe that can be like a tiny photo on the cover. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Find us online at stashandburn.com. On Instagram, Nicole is at stashandburn and at my place in the arcane. Jenny is at Jenny Check. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.